Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Conversation around Canada's economy and, and some of the underlying weakness in the Canadian economy. It was interesting to see yesterday, and I think we mentioned it, the uh, GDP numbers in the U.S. 2023 was a pretty remarkable year for the U.S. economy. Uh, in fact, growth in, in the U.S. economy in 2023 outpaced growth in the five years preceding the pandemic. Now, look, I mean, the U.S. is dealing with a lot of the same inflation issues, interest rate issues, all of that that we are. Canada's economy seems pretty stagnant. I know there's some hope. Maybe we'll get into some interest rate cuts later this year, maybe a little bit of a lift for the economy. But that doesn't address some of the underlying weakness, especially when you look at uh, our per capita GDP. Like that's uh, been shrinking for a while, unfortunately, and that's pretty worrying. Our, Our productivity is nowhere it needs to be. So how do we improve all of this? How do we improve Canada's competitiveness? Because I think to address a lot of these issues, we need to be attracting investment to Canada. And that's how we're going to build and grow our economy. But why isn't that happening? So it's an interesting new piece on this uh, with the CDO Institute and the Business Council of Canada on how we could address all of these matters. Uh, joining us uh, for more, very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Michael Golo, uh, co-author of this piece, Vice President of Policy with the Business Council of Canada. Michael, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Rob. Thanks a lot for having me. We talk about competitiveness, and and I know this piece looks around how we can sort of tie together investment and clean growth, where we can sort of get that win-win economy and and the environment. But when it comes to attracting investment, whether it's uh, in clean growth or or in other sectors, what's the underlying weakness here as you see it for Canada? Well, Rob, it's an excellent question, and let, let me break it down for you. And I think in, in the simplest terms, you know, the reality is that we do have really ambitious public policy goals, uh, whether they're related to competitiveness or the energy transition, but we don't have a project approval or a regulatory system that's well-placed to match that ambition. And, and there's a few illustrative examples, I think, that are, that are really helpful to kind of point to, and we reflect on them in, in the piece that you mentioned. Uh, in the lead into this segment. And, and the first is that Canada, it is signatory to the Paris Agreement. You know, that means we need to cut our emissions by at least 40 to 45 percent uh, below 2005 levels by, by 2030. And we're also committed to net zero emissions by 2050. And economically speaking, we're operating in a, in a geopolitical environment where Canada is competing with the rest of the world in this transition towards a low carbon future. And so the baseline stats, they're, they're a bit discouraging. So from an environmental perspective, we've got a lot of work to do. We've only reduced our emissions by less than 10% in accordance with our goals. And then from an investment perspective, the challenge is equally daunting. Um, we need to be advancing projects and investment at an incredible rate. Uh, and right now, some of the best estimates out there say that our investment levels need to be about $2 trillion in order to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. But the reality is, is that we're well off the mark. Annual mm-hmm. investment rates right now, they're between 15 and 25 billion, Rob. But we need to be investing more towards 125 and 140 billion. And so our view is that the key to unlocking these higher levels of investments in Canada is a nimble and efficient system for approving and regulating our major projects. 
Yeah, I, I think the problem is, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a, a, a morass right now when it comes to, to all of that because uh, the Supreme Court found aspects of the Impact Assessment Act to be unconstitutional. So now the government's trying to sort all of that out at a time maybe when we need some clarity. Uh, we've, we've got the opposite, it feels like. I couldn't agree with you more, really. You've already commented on the Supreme Court uh, opinion, and we're still waiting for the government to describe what it's going to do in terms of, net, of its next steps. But let me also remind you that prior to receiving the opinion, the government did commit in its last budget to outline a concrete plan to improve the efficiency of, uh, of its impact assessment and, and, and approval processes. Uh, and that plan was supposed to be tabled by the end of last year, and, and we're, we're still waiting for it as well. Um, the Prime Minister, to his credit, did appoint a ministerial-led working group that's supposed to ensure that we do have an efficient regulatory framework in place to support uh, our clean growth projects. But again, um, you know, this, is, uh, this isn't very well understood in the public domain in terms of what areas that they're looking at and what they're proposing to fix. And so, you know, results are still hard to come by. Since 2019, we only have one project that's been approved through uh, the revised federal regime. Um, and we're waiting and businesses are waiting for the government to come forward on, on its, on, on its new commitments, which I've just described to you. Um, and so I think really what the net effect of that is, is a policy environment that's really unpredictable. And so that, that creates a deep chill on investment. It delays final investment decisions for, for projects that we need not only to remain competitive, but to also transition towards this low carbon economy. And so, Unfortunately, we've got a very unpredictable regulatory and policy environment that's creating a deep chill on investing in the projects we need to be competitive and to transition towards a low-carbon economy. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, you know, as the piece points out, if you've got the possibility that you're going to face a delay or even worse, at some point down the road, thinking you've got a green light and all of a sudden, you know, the project is, is vetoed, that's a huge deterrent, isn't it? Well, sure. That's that's a big part of the uh, of the policy uncertainty piece. And you know what we've tried to do was is come forward with some solutions that policymakers can really look at and consider while they're rolling up their sleeves and trying to take on all these various assignments and fulfill these various commitments. And so, you know, for, from where from our perspective, we think we need a bit of a new north star here in that we need to publicly support rather than discourage investment in major projects in Canada. And we think one of the best ways to do that is to have a very clear policy statement that points all of our regulatory approval and, and permitting processes uh, and, and really instills that confidence in the investor and business community that when they enter an environmental assessment process, the job is to get the project over the goal line and, and get to yes faster so that we can, we can really move forward here. The second part that we're pointing to is the principle of, of one project and one assessment, which has been talked about a lot over the years, but in practice has been really hard to come by. Um, across the country, we only have one agreement in place between the federal government and British Columbia where they recognize their respective project approval and permitting processes and use one process to fulfill their various requirements. We saw a great example last year in the Cedar LNG project where it was stood up and, uh, and approved in a record amount of time. But the reality is, is that's, the only, that's the only agreement we have in the country, and we certainly need more of them. Um, but to your point about taking the politics out of the review and approval process, I couldn't agree with you more on this, Rob, because we do have a, a current process that's bookended uh, by the potential, at least for political interference, where a project, even if it's not listed, 
in the in the supporting regulations for our impact assessment regime, it can be designated for a federal review. And then at the back end, you have the potential for a project that meets all the requirements through its environmental assessment process, only to be vetoed uh, uh, through 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 politics. And so that that's pretty discouraging. Um, you know, our members are our chief executive officers of some of the biggest com- companies in the country. And, and that's a really difficult sell uh, for a CEO to make to, to a board of directors where you've got a process that is, uh, is subject to such high levels of political interference over time. Absolutely. Much more is mentioned. CDHow.org, also the businesscouncil.ca. Michael, thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning. Appreciate it.